Hello, folks. This is your host, Tammy Tucky, and you are now listening to the Tierra Talk Show. We bring you rare interviews with the makers of Disney magic. Whether they be singers, actors, Imagineers, animators, they have all made their mark on the Disney name. Be sure to check out the show notes, other episodes, contests, our social media pages from Facebook to Twitter, and more on our official website at www.thetierratalkshow.com. Are you looking to plan and book an upcoming Disney vacation? Contact the Tierra Talk Show's official travel agent, James from Destinations in Florida, by visiting destinationsinflorida.com backslash tiara for a free quote. The link is also included in the show notes on our website. All guest opinions are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent the opinions of the Tierra Talk Show or the host. The Tierra Talk Show is not associated with the Disney Company. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. And from all of us here at the Tierra Talk Show, have a hoop de doo day. I'm excited to welcome this week's Tierra Talk Show guest, actress Claudia Christian, to the show. Welcome, Claudia. Hi, Tierra. It's so good to be back. I know. I'm glad to have you back on the show. Uh, we had you on, well, we, I had you on my original podcast with Darlene and Danelle, and it was myself. It was so much fun. It was the, all three of us, and we got to do these fun interviews uh, focusing on Atlantis with almost the entire cast. Uh, it was actually you and Cree uh, Summer, who's the voice of Princess Keita, and of course, you were the voice of Helga Sinclair in uh, the film, and that was so much fun. So, and now it's the, almost the 15th anniversary of Atlantis, The Lost Empire. And I had to invite you on my new show. I wanted to make sure that I got you on the show to talk a little bit more about the film. Uh, and now this is a one-on-one interview. And I'm so excited because we get to talk more about your latest projects, too. So when were you exactly called to participate in this film? Gosh, um, I wouldn't know the exact time. What I do know is it t- took a long time. I- I always make the joke that, you know, every time I went back to record another session, Demi Moore had another baby because she had, she was doing, uh, uh, the hunchback and, and, um, it just seemed like a year would go by. Um, I believe it was 1999 maybe, uh, when I first started. So it would have been 99, 2000. And then it came out and yeah, that sounds about right. So it, it was a long process. You know, you, you would do a session and wait six months and then do another session. And, and it was, uh, you know, it was, it's somewhat like what, what I do now with games, you know, it's, I kind of forget about a game and then they call me for, for Guild Wars two or something like that. And I'm like, wow. Oh yeah. That game still hasn't come out. Cause I literally, uh, you know, I recorded it a year ago. So it's weird. I've been recently doing um, a lot of really great games. I did Halo and Angelina and Guild Wars and uh, gosh, I did um, Skyrim, of course, and all the bonus stuff. And it's it's just been it's been great. I love doing voiceovers. I love working for Blizzard and all these great companies. So it's it's been very enjoyable and it it's been very steady for me, which is is funny because I'd never really imagined myself doing games. I don't even know how to play games. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly uh, refreshing that it's not based on, um, you know, looks and that, that, that is nice. But on the other hand, it's also, you don't have the interaction with anybody else the majority of the time, which I found, I found actually liberating for Atlantis because they were so, uh, they were such a joyful group of people and they were so enthusiastic that when you did something and they enjoyed it, they'd push you and push you and push you till you did it funnier and bigger and funnier and bigger and sexier and this, you know, for Helga was when she started out with her ho, ho, ho stuff, you know, they were like, okay, more Kathleen Turner, more sexy, more this, more that. 
And then when she was sort of more of a, uh, a bad girl, you know, more of the kick butt gal, she, uh, you know, they, they kind of switched it up a little bit and encouraged me to be a little harder. So it was, it was just fun because there were so many people behind that glass screen and they were all sort of cheering you on that it was, it was just a really fun process. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I enjoy the rest of the people I work with on these games as well, because once again, they're just really appreciative when you're professional and you get the lines out quickly and, and well, and you give them three choices. And it's, I, I love the process. It's fast, it's concise, and it's, it's just a terrific way to work. It's not like you're waiting for the scene to be lit and the makeup to be done and the, you know all the stuff that comes along with regular acting. Another thing you brought up the last time we talked is that you were kind of channeling a little bit of Kathleen Turner and also Lauren Bacall. And Lauren Bacall has since passed away, unfortunately, but you said you just loved Humphrey Bogart when you were when you were growing up. I just I love that story that you kind of told. <laughs> oh yeah, that was that's the funny funny thing is when I was a kid, um I my parents we we, we weren't allowed to watch much television. Um so once in a while we could watch a film. And I had no idea that black and white films usually meant that the person was dead, um, you know, that they were really old films. I was very young. And I had never written a fan letter in my life. And I asked my parents if I could please write to this fellow in the Maltese Falcon that I thought was just divine. And so they helped me write a letter to Humphrey Bogart. Of course, he had he had passed away years and years earlier, um, but they didn't tell me. They were so sweet. And so I wrote my little letter saying, Dear Mr. Bogart, I think you're a terrific actor and I'd really like to meet you. And, you know, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm ready to admit because I, like I said, I was starved of TV and film as a kid because we were encouraged to read books. So I wrote to Humphrey Bogart and Parker Stevenson, who was one of the Hardy Boys. And that, those were my only two. <laughs> Those are my only two fan letters I've ever written. But when I go to conventions, you know, this has always been my attitude that if, if you don't want to be there, then don't be there as a performer because it really is important to the fans that you're present and that you're kind and that you're accessible. And, you know, I just, I, th I think that if you don't enjoy it, they feel it. And I, I only go if I am genuinely know that I'm going to be, you know, coming from a place of respect and love because I don't see the point otherwise. You know, I, I get to run into friends. I'm going to see. I do the ones that I really know that I'm going to enjoy, or at some place that I want to visit. Like ne next year, I'm going back to the UK in April. Um, and it's you know, I think conventions are great. I think if you have to do them and you don't like hanging out with fans, then you then it's not going to be a good experience. But you know, if you just do it for the fun of it, then it's great. I I was saying to you earlier that um, I did Hawaii Con with Cree Summer last year in September. And that was just amazing. So, you know, sometimes you get these exotic, wonderful locations. And, I, you know, I've been talking with a couple people over the past couple of months who've done voiceovers for Disney before in the past and currently. And it seems like more so today that they're trying to do a lot of voiceovers uh, with two actors in the room rather than just one talking just to the director or just to the microphone, you know what I mean? So did you ever at any point work with Michael J. Fox or James Garner in any of your scenes? Because that's usually who Helga talks to, either Milo or uh, Rourke. Yeah, no, no. I did everything by myself in this big room with a big glass partition and all the producers and director and writers behind the glass. I only met the actors and actresses uh, at the screening of Atlantis at the Egyptian theater. And that's, that's the first time I ever met anybody. And James Garner really was a sort of hero of mine. 
I've always had great admiration for Michael J. Fox, but Garner for me, Rockford Files, when I was a little girl, you know, that was sort of the epitome of uh, the man that I wanted to meet when I grew up because he was manly but funny and he was handsome and, you know, it was, uh, he was my sort of hero, but I never got to work with him. Oh, you know, I'm kind of shy, believe it or not. I know people don't think that of me, but I, I am kind of a shy person and um, I just... I have a hard time going up to anybody, especially especially if they're in the public eye, because I, I feel like it's intrusive. And I know that we were all at the screening together and everything. And we all sort of said hello to each other and shook hands and stuff. But I didn't fawn or say, oh, my God, I love you. you know? <laughs> I, I tried to keep it cool. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> tried to keep it together. And I think I did a good job at it. But um, there were some, some really iconic, wonderful character actors in there, too. So it's, it was a great little group of people. With, with these characters, there's so much, there's so many funny lines. I just adore them all. I adore all these characters. Did you have a specific character besides Helga that you were just like, oh man, you know what? We would have been the best of buddies if we met in person. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really liked Milo. I mean, I, I left Cookie, obviously. Who doesn't? Um, you know, I, I think that there were just some really. There was great dialogue, and I, it's funny because a lot of people say, well, it didn't do that well or whatever because it was too dark. But I don't look at it that way. I, it kind of reminded me of, um, you know, that kind of uh, retro uh, kind of period feeling with the costumes and, and you know, kind of that little bit of military, but you kind of almost World War One in, in some regards, and then that steampunky kind of, pre before steampunk even became you know uh, popular kind of had a steampunky feeling um and that darkness under the water and stuff but then you know once you got to the princess's world it it, it lightened up and everything i just thought it was a really i thought it was a bold move for them to to do this film and you're right it did explore different races and and um and certainly things that, that normally are not in Disney films. I enjoyed it. I mean, I guess I'm particular because it was my first and only Disney film. And, you know, I would love to do another one, trust me. I just love these guys. I, I've run into Gary Truesdale and Kurt Wise over the years, um, you know, just briefly. I think I saw Gary at a movie once. Um, and they're just really nice guys. There have been a lot of remakes being announced by Disney so far and you know what I, I, I while I love Atlantis I would not mind seeing a live action remake of it because first of all I think everybody who played their own characters could actually do their own characters exactly. first of all let's just say that um, and I would love to see you play Helga but if there was anybody else that they decided to choose to play Helga who would who would you like to see in your mind who would you like to see play Helga I guess it would have to be Jennifer Lawrence since she's since she's young and blonde, <laughs> she can certainly do the, you know, when Helga's all, all dressed up in the evening gowns and she's pretending to be really, you know, a, a, a sophisticated woman, you know, and then she turns around, she's like, get out of here! <laughs> so she could obviously play both. You have to have the ability to play both sensual and kick arse, as they say. It's interesting because they, you know, they videotape you. We spoke about that before when when you're doing it. And there are certain um, certain things that they they use of your own features, like my widow's peak, my eyebrows, all that kind of thing are in Helga. And it was funny when I was watching it, I kept thinking, well, that's weird. And then they said, yeah, well, our animators watch the video and they, they put some of your facial features into the character. So that was kind of interesting to me 
to see something that you could kind of kind of say, oh yeah, you know. Did you get to see any finished animated scenes before the film came out, or they were just rough sketches of what was going to be happening? They would show me uh, when they finally got a sketch of Helga. They showed me that, and when they had a little sketches of some ships and things like that. Um, the, the, but that was about it. I mean, you really kind of just did, and I, and I, of course, never read the script because it was constantly evolving and they would just hand you a big stack of pages when you got in there to record and then you would just record your lines. So, yeah, it was some, um, you know, it, I think because the process is them developing it uh, as you're going along. So it wasn't until probably a year and a half or more into it, I guess, that I finally started seeing stuff. But um, at the end of the day, I came out with a very nice cell that they gave me of my, of my character. And, and uh, John Pomeroy actually drew Helga for me. So I've got a little etching and all that. So That's <laughs> was, really cool. What a process for those people that animated it. It's just, it's such an amazing art form and especially the old, old way of doing it, you know, drawing each, each individual, you know, cell, basically, scene. And also, you had another character, uh, not in Atlantis, but, I, but you were talking about in your book, Babylon Confidential, the reason you got the role of Helga was because of your role in Babylon 5 as Susan. Mm, Susan Ivanova, yeah. Um, well, they basically told me that they were fans of Ivanova from Babylon 5, and that's, that is why I got the movie Atlantis, I'm sure of it. I, I don't think, because, you know, science fiction and animation and all of that is sort of a crossover thing, and these guys were definitely, a few of them were Babylon 5 fans, so that, that, that was great. It was a wonderful gift from the gods that, I, that, I, uh, that, that manifested itself into another wonderful job, but uh, Susan Ivanova was very, very um, tough, very strong, very... Russian, very, as you said, very much, very much like Helga, very organized, very Teutonic in her sense of um, everything, you know, right and wrong and, and also uh, a little bit incapable of, of being terribly emotional. You know, she had, she had intimacy issues. Let's just say that. (laughs) Um, So both women were, were formidable, formidable women, I would say. We're still incredibly close. I think it's the it's the best cast and the best friends I've ever made in my 30-plus year career. I really wanted to talk about some of your latest projects. I, I got to read your book, which is, again, Babylon Confidential. Listeners, if you want to check out Babylon Confidential on Amazon, uh, go ahead and get a copy. It's really great read. Uh, Claudia really opens her heart and soul about her life. And also, uh, you, you are working on a film right now, or you already completed the film called One Little Pill? I, I, uh, we've already finished. One Little Pill is the documentary that I made about... Uh, the Sinclair Method and some of the people that I have put on it. The Sinclair Method is a treatment for alcohol use disorder, otherwise known as alcoholism. Um, And it has a nearly 80% long-term success rate. It involves taking a generic FDA-approved medication an hour before you drink, and it causes what's called pharmacological extinction in the brain. So it is actually undoing the learned behavior of drinking and drinking to excess or abusing alcohol. So it also works on other issues such as gambling, but it's really, really um, extremely beneficial for the use in alcohol. And that's that's where the results are just staggering. Much more um, long-term success rates than any traditional treatment around. And, you know, it really goes in the brain and changes the brain back to the pre-addicted state 
Um, so I got involved with that in 2009 when I myself went on it. Um, and it just was such a remarkable thing that I had to call the person who I read, I read this book called the cure for alcoholism by Dr. Roy Escapa. And I called him and I said, listen, you saved my life. What can I do for you? And he said, why don't you write a book about it? Cause you have a fan base and maybe more people will read it. So I wrote my book, Babylon Confidential, it came out in 2012 and it certainly helped a lot of people and saved a lot of lives, but it didn't reach enough people. So I thought to myself, I better make a documentary because film, you know, we're a visual society, more people will see the film. So I made the film and, uh, this year it aired in Finland, um, where Dr. David Sinclair was, um, doing his research. He's an American scientist who recently passed away earlier this year, unfortunately. Um, and he spent 40 years studying alcoholism and addiction. His research is, is really what saved my life and, and what I've devoted my life to now uh, spreading the word and being an advocate for. And if anybody wants to watch it, you can rent it on onelittlepillfilm.com um, or you can buy it there as well. And uh, all the money, the proceeds, the $3 or whatever it is to rent it goes straight back to the C3 Foundation. And what we do at the C3 Foundation is I myself uh, counsel people for free. I'm a drug and alcohol counselor, so I help them get the medication, which is now Trexone. I help them go on this treatment, and then I also coach them through it if they have any questions or if they want me to talk to their family. I provide them with literature, and the website is very, very inclusive. So if anybody out there knows somebody who has a drinking problem, who's tried traditional treatment like rehab or meetings, AA, that kind of thing, and it didn't work for them, they should certainly look into this medical treatment, which is so easy. You can do it in the privacy of your own home. You just take a pill an hour before you drink, and over the course of the next few months, you just don't think about drinking. You just drink less and less and less. And eventually you either go sober or you drink safely. Uh, you know, it's, it's really a wonderful alternative for the people who other treatments didn't work for, like me. You know, I tried everything uh, to control my drinking in my late 30s and nothing, nothing worked for me. And I was just miserable until I found this. So that's really what I, what I do. That's my, as they say in France, my raison d'être, my reason to be, my reason to get up in the morning is to help counsel people, help get them through this process and help give them back their dignity and their life and their hope and and help them get this 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 addiction under control. And so I just want it to grow and grow. And people like you having me on your show and letting me talk about it, it's that's how pe one person hears about it. You know, they can go to my website, c3foundation.org, and lo and behold, they might tell somebody and then tell somebody else. And that's how we that's what a grassroots movement is. It's word of mouth and support. I'm so glad I could have you on my show to talk today about Atlantis and also what you are currently working on, again, with One Little Pill. Um, and before we end the show, I have three Disney questions I always ask my guests, which are called the Fab Three. We'll start with the Donald question, which is, as a child, what Disney film was one of your favorites to watch? Snow White. Hi-ho, hi-ho. <laughs> <laughs> and our goofy question, what Disney character do you think would be your best friend if you met them in person? Hmm. Maleficent. And our Mickey question, if I asked you to name any Disney song at this very moment, what immediately comes to mind? Well, hi-ho, hi-ho, because of you. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Now it's going to be and stuck in your head. Life just came into my head. Elton John, <laughs> The Lion King. Oh, nobody's ever mentioned Circle of Life before. I like it. There you go. 
that just popped in my head. Just when you said, what's the first song? I saw The Lion King and I saw The Circle of Love. (laughs) There you go. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on the show, Claudia. I'm so glad I got to have you on on, on my new show. It was wonderful to speak with you a couple years ago, but it's great to revisit some great Atlantis memories for the 15th anniversary. And I I, I thank you again for coming on the show. A lot of fun. Thank you so much. And and, uh, we'll talk uh, for the 20th. See you soon. Let's do it! Okay. I came down the chimney. Ho, ho, ho.